Did I turn this on? Push it again. Am I on? I could shout like Todd said. Todd, touch. Did I push it one more time? Not in any hurry. Is that working? Test, test, test. Yeah? Am I alive? Yeah, that's great. I'm wired. Here we go. Well, as uh, Todd said, it really is my pleasure to be back here in Aurora with you this morning. Um, <clears throat> again, we are very grateful for Mark coming up. And as Todd showed the pictures of our West Region Pastors Retreat, it was like 83 degrees there yesterday. And my, my wife, Catherine, sent me a text yesterday morning and showed me like three inches of snow in our backyard. And I'm like, yeah. Welcome to Colorado in April, right? Well, I'm going to ask you to pray for me and with me here in just a moment. The text this morning that I'll be preaching on, some scholars say that this text is the pinnacle text, the high point of the entire New Testament. And the truths we're going to look at, and even as I have the privilege of studying and meditating on this text in preparation, the, the truths contained here can, like any scripture, but can transform your life, can breathe upon you fresh hope, can give you a realization, and I think a depth of, of shall we say, practical theology, that if God is for us, if this Jesus that we're about to behold this morning, if he is for us, who can be against us? So if you could pray with me, I'd appreciate it. Lord, as we get ready to open your word this morning, and even as we just sang, and as we're going to see from this amazing text of scripture, there is no one like you. So Lord, I pray as we open your word now that you would help me to communicate the truths contained in this passage in a way that are easy to understand, though in many ways they're beyond our ability to understand. But Lord, help us to, each of us, including myself, to freshly lift our eyes up and to see the preeminent reigning Christ. And as a result, Lord, for those of us that are hurting this morning, for those of us that are discouraged, for those of us that feel beat up and, and wounded by the world, Lord, might you give us, may you give us fresh hope, fresh confidence that we have a Christ like none other. We have a help. We have a Savior like none other. So help me, Father, to communicate these words. Give us, as your word says, ears to hear. Open our hearts to receive the truths of your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. And I've titled this message, Jesus is Preeminent as Creator and Sustainer. 
And in commenting on this text, the theologian John Woodhouse said this. He said, if we hear carefully, understand clearly, and believe firmly what the apostle has written here, notice he says, we will be equipped for every threat and challenge that life may bring. Let me read that again. We'll be equipped for every threat and challenge that life may bring. He said that is a bold claim, but it is warranted by this remarkable portion of God's Word. So even as I was praying a few moments ago, echoing Woodhouse's words, my prayer for all of us this morning, including myself, is that we will hear carefully. We will understand clearly. We'll believe firmly what the apostle has written here. And as a result, as we leave this morning, and as we even dwell and meditate on this truth, we'll be equipped for every threat and challenge that come into our lives. So my hope is that as we fix our attention as we, so to speak, lay aside all those things clamoring for our attention, and as we fix our attention on the preeminent Christ, we will be transformed. That God's Spirit, my hope is that God's Spirit will infuse in each of us a fresh hope and faith in whatever circumstance we're facing today. Because let's face it, life is hard. Life in this fallen world can be challenging. But as we look at the preeminent Christ, may we leave here today not only with fresh hope, but desiring to live our lives more passionately for His glory. So please, please read along with me as I read these amazing verses from Colossians 1. And by the way, some scholars think this was actually a hymn that was sung in the early church that Paul probably modified somewhat to drive home some truths to the church at Colossae. So Colossians 1, verses 15 through 17. Paul writes to the church, He, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Now let's face it. I could easily preach a 12-hour sermon, but we have lunch plans, don't we? So I'm going to try to hit the significant highlights here. And I've summarized the sermon this way. Jesus is preeminent over all creation and is alone worthy of our wholehearted devotion. So let me say that again. Jesus is preeminent over all creation and is alone worthy of our wholehearted devotion. And as I follow the sequence of this text, I'll have three points. The first, Jesus preeminent in image and rank. 
Second, Jesus preeminent in all of creation. And third, Jesus preeminent as eternal sustainer. Now, since we're kind of diving into Colossians 1, let me briefly set the context here. Paul has just finished recording this prayer, this burden he had for the Colossians. And in the five or six verses preceding our text, he prays for the church that they will be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And he desires that they'd walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And as he closes his prayer, he says this. He says, he says God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So he makes this reference to Jesus. He says, God's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So now as we get into this text, it's like Paul is wanting the church at Colossae to to see much more clearly who is this beloved son? Who is he? Who is the one in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins? See, if you study some of the history of the church at Colossae, there was some false teaching going around. And some of these false teachers, uh, as I understand what some of the commentators and scholars have said, they were really trying to degrade who Jesus was. They were trying to communicate really that Jesus was simply a stepping stone. A, A type of baby step, if you will, on a path to a deeper spiritual life. In other words, some people were being tempted to think, is Jesus just part of one's journey to a fullness of spiritual experience? Well, I'll have this encounter with Jesus, and then I'll move on to something richer and deeper. Maybe it's angel worship. Maybe it's tapping into some power. Maybe it's it's just finding a a path to put a Christian label on, but somehow finding a greater fullness in purpose. And Paul is hitting this. He's hitting it head on to answer that question, is there some type of fullness or a spiritual experience that could not be found through Jesus Christ? In other words, should we move on from him? Should we search for something or someone to give us a richer, more fulfilling, more significant purpose in our lives. And don't you hear those same voices in our culture today? In other words, is, is Jesus really like we just sang? Is, is, he truly, is there truly no one like him? Is he truly all we need? Or do we need Jesus plus something else? And Paul is saying, I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. I want to point you to 
to the reality, this beloved son who, who redeemed us. I, I want to show you that there is no one greater than him. In fact, there's no one close to who this Christ is. See, is he really worth our utmost adoration, devotion, and service? Well, let's find out. Point one, Jesus preeminent in image and rank. And since I'm using the word preeminent, and I'm not, you know, my background is not a lot of English. So I, so I, I wasn't an English major. I don't hold it against me. I was a math major in college. Please don't stop listening now. But the thing is, I want to make sure myself and all of us know, what does this word preeminent mean? And literally, the Greek word translated preeminent, and Paul uses it in verse 18 of Colossians 1, it's defined as, as this, as holding or to have first place. When we say something or someone, or in this case, Jesus is preeminent, it means he's number one. He's holding first place. Webster's Dictionary defines preeminent this way, having paramount rank, dignity, or importance. In other words, outstanding, supreme, beyond all others. So Paul now, using concise and direct sentences, draws the Colossians' attention, and ours as well, to the reality. Who is this Jesus and shows us nothing compares to him. Notice how he begins. He says, Jesus is the image. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. Well, what does that mean? He's the image of the invisible God. Well, I think the ESV study Bible describes it well. It says the Son is identical in substance to God, being himself fully God in all attributes and abilities. The Son is exactly like the Father. The book of Hebrews, Hebrews 1.3, puts it this way. He, again referencing Jesus, is the radiance of, of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So Paul is telling us Jesus is fully God and fully man. And kind of like the perfect image of a ruler on a coin, when we stare and look at Jesus, we are seeing who God is and what he's like. In other words, as we study Jesus, we see and study God the Father. Jesus himself said, he said, whoever has seen me has what? Seen the Father. I mean, think about this. And I love how theologian Jeff Perswell puts it. He said, Jesus makes the invisible God, visible. Jesus makes 
The invisible God. Visible. Did you ever just think, what would it have been like to be with him? And Jesus turns to you and he says, who's ever seen me has seen the Father. Say what? Fully God. Fully man. See, Paul is telling the Colossians, this Jesus who saved you and fully forgave your sins is the invisible God made visible. There is no one, no one like him. No one. He's preeminent, supreme in image. The exact imprint of the invisible God. But Paul doesn't stop. See, I could preach a three-hour sermon. Easy. But we need to move on because Paul goes on. He says he's not only the, the image of the invisible God, he says he is the firstborn of all creation. Now, to be clear, Paul is not saying Jesus is part of God's creation. This, in other words, he's not saying like he's like the firstborn child to parents, like many of us who are parents have a firstborn child. No, the term here, firstborn, denotes authority and rank. We see this use of firstborn in Psalm 89, where the psalmist, in describing the Davidic dynasty and speaking prophetically of the coming Messiah, he says this in Psalm 89, 27, and I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Paul is telling us the firstborn, the ultimate king above all kings is Jesus. Jesus, son of the father from the lineage of David, is the firstborn, the authoritative ruler of everything. So he's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. And we could almost say, well, surely, Paul, that's enough. Paul's like, no, Colossians, I'm going to tell you some more. In fact, I'm going to tell you, Colossians, and I'm going to tell you, Sovereign Grace Church of Aurora, he, yes, he's the image of the invisible God. Yes, he's the firstborn of all creation. But you want to know why he's the firstborn of all creation? I'm going to tell you why. Because he created everything. You think, how did he become firstborn of all creation? Well, he's the creator. So I'm going to reread Colossians 1.16. Paul says, for by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. In other words, Paul is saying he's the firstborn of all creation. And by the way, everything in creation, I mean, it's an endless list. The planets, for those who like astronomy, the stars, the sun, our solar system, the multitude of all other solar systems, the hundreds of thousands of species of plants, and insects, and animals, and aquatic life. All of it, including you and I, were created by Him and through Him. I mean, as the weather eventually warms, and as those pesky little mosquitoes come your way, 
and I seem to be a mosquito magnet. As the mosquitoes come your way, if you pause before you let it have it, you're seeing God's power on display. He made that insect. Maybe I shouldn't have used that illustration because it's kind of an annoying insect. But the thing is, everything, as you look at the beautiful mountains, who made them? He did. I mean, think about the supremacy of his power being communicated here. Everything we see in the created world declares to us his power and his rank that he is the firstborn of all creation. Again, from the tiniest insect to the most majestic tree, for those of you who love cats, I'm not with you on that. But for those of you who love cats, your cute cat, your cute dog, the most intimidating of lions, the billions of human beings currently living on this planet, all of these things in creation declare he is number one. He's the firstborn because he made it all. And Romans 1.20 drives this home where Paul says, for his invisible attributes... Namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So when the weather warms and you're in your backyard and you're hearing the birds singing, it's totally appropriate to hear those birds singing and see the beauty of their creation and say, there's a reminder, King Jesus is the firstborn of everything. But Paul, again, develops this even further. He said Jesus not only created everything we can see, he said he also created everything we can't see. Now, using the terminology of Jewish literature of the time, Paul tells the Colossians the entire realm of angelic beings with all their various rankings. So when he refers to thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, he's talking about the angels here. And he's saying all of them were created by the Lord Jesus Christ with the goal of bringing glory to his name. So Paul is saying from what we see in creation, it testifies to his firstborn superior ranking. And now he's also saying, and Jesus is also superior to all the angels for those who may be tempted to, to worship angels. He's saying, no, Jesus is superior. Why? Because he created all of them. From the least powerful angel to the most powerful angel, the Lord has created all. See, nothing compares to Jesus. Nothing. He is the firstborn creator of all. But Paul doesn't stop there. He tells them not only was everything created through him, he says everything was created for him. Now let this resonate. This is provoking. Douglas Moo, commentator, says this. Christ stands at the beginning of the universe as the one through whom it came into being. And he stands at its end as the goal of the universe. 
The vision of Christ in relationship to creation is thus comprehensive and reminds us that for those who've been redeemed by Christ, the universe has no ultimate terrors. They know their Redeemer is also creator, ruler, and the goal of it all. Ken Hughes adds some thoughts on this. Commentator Ken Hughes, he says, everything began with him and will end with him. All things sprang forth at his command and all things will return to him at his command. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. One day, everything will give him glory. See, and there's some great application here. See, all of creation, including you and I, is that good English? You and me, you and I. Yeah, sorry, I shouldn't go there. But all of creation has been created for His honor and praise. Everyone in this room, the scriptures say, are fearfully and wonderfully made in His image. I want to say that again. Every one of us are fearfully and wonderfully made in His image. Now, let this resonate in our souls. All of us, under this template of Jesus as Creator, all of us have been created by Jesus and through Jesus and for Jesus for His honor and praise. There is so much rich encouragement for us this morning because if we as human beings are created for Him, which we are, then as Christians, we have a glorious purpose. Do you feel purposeless this morning? Do you feel like why am I here? Meditate on this. You were created for Him. To live for His glory. There is no higher purpose than this. This preeminent Christ who has redeemed us through the price of his blood, has created us to bring him glory. As God's people, we get to be a part of building his kingdom, of bringing him honor and praise, to live our lives for him. So the question is, are we living in the goodness of this truth? Are we passionately, prayerfully living for His glory? Or have, is it so easy to do, have we drifted? God has saved you to be a fragrance of Christ to the world. 
And if you've drifted, like we all have, let's draw near to him today. Let's confess our sins. Let's say, Lord, I've forgotten. You saved me and created me for your glory. Help me to get up every morning and say, God, use me today for your glory. And also, knowing that we're created through him and for him, and this so strengthened me in my preparation, this gives us great hope in our suffering and great comfort because if we're created for him, which we are, then everything he allows in our lives is also for him. See, our loving God does not waste any pain or suffering. And we need to remind our souls, I am created for him. And if in his mysterious providence, he allows us to walk through valleys and he allows us to experience pain, we need to remind our souls that because we're created for him, he works everything for our good and for his glory to make us more like Jesus so the world can see like we've all seen with Dan Lovano. How can a man with endless pain, be praising the king of the universe. It's because Dan has grasped this reality that he is owned by another. It's for him. And as we remind ourselves of this, when little troubles or big troubles come, reminding yourself that I am his, he's created me fearfully and wonderfully in his image, and I'm his now as a Christian, and everything he allows in my life is for him. It transformed your perspective through the tears. And it gives real hope, comfort, and assurance. So if you're downcast, if you're discouraged, if you're feeling beat up by the world this morning, remember, you're his. And he doesn't waste any pain. He's got a purpose so far beyond our ability to understand that we need to remind our souls, Lord, I'm yours. This is for you. I want to grow in you. Well, if that isn't enough, this hymn has more. My third point, Jesus preeminent as eternal sustainer. I'm going to read again, verse 17. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. So here we see Jesus is the eternal, pre-existent Son of God. He is before all things. John's Gospel tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, referencing Jesus, was with God, and the Word was God. Remember when Jesus was having an interaction with the religious leaders of his day, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. See, this truth enhances, it broadens this majestic picture that Paul is painting for us of the preeminent Christ 
and that not only is he the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, who created all things visible and invisible, he's saying he's also the eternal, pre-existent Son of God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. The one with whom there's no beginning and no end. Our Savior has always been and always will be the eternal Son of God. The Sovereign Grace Statement of Faith says this, The Son has always existed as Son, eternally begotten of the Father, uncreated and without beginning of one essence with the Father. Now, is Christ getting bigger in your eyes? Not that... He can get bigger, but our perception of him. Is he getting bigger? Are you seeing him more clearly as preeminent over all? Are we feeling and sensing in Woodhouse's words again, as I referenced in my introduction, are we seeing and getting that sense that we're being better equipped for every threat and challenge that life may bring? See, brothers and sisters, this Jesus is our Jesus. This Jesus is my Jesus. If God be for us, who can be against us? He will never leave us or forsake us. This Jesus is your Jesus. So when you pray to him, and as his word bids us to come boldly to his throne, you are speaking to the risen Christ who's at the right hand of God the Father, who's all of these things and so much more. What a Savior. Now, as as I wrap up this passage, Paul shares one more glorious truth that, again, I could give it a four-hour sermon on easily. But he tells the Colossians this, In him he holds all things together. This echoes the words we heard earlier from Hebrews 1.3. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. In other words, Jesus is the sustainer of all things. He's preeminent not only because he created everything, he's preeminent because he's also sustaining everything. He's holding every atom, every molecule, everything in his creation. He's sustaining it all by his power. Ken Hughes again puts it this way, apart from his continuous activity, all would disintegrate. I mean, let's marvel at this reality. And I know there's some scientists in the room, but I won't get too scientific. Why do the planets keep following their elliptical orbits and they don't collide? Why does the sun keep rising every day? 
why doesn't this pulpit just crumble? Why doesn't the chair you're sitting on, why, why doesn't it just instantly become a pile of dust? Why is my heart still beating? Why is your heart still beating? Well, the answer to these and a multitude of questions like them is simply this. The reason the planets don't collide, the reason the chairs don't disintegrate, the reason there's order and, and sustenance, if you will, is because Jesus Christ is holding it all together. He's upholding it by the word of his power. And if he chose to, that fast, it's gone. The Expositor's Bible Commentary, this is a little more scientific comment on this. He says, it says, Jesus is the principle of cohesion who makes the universe a cosmos instead of chaos. Our preeminent Savior is holding it all together, sustaining all of His creation for His glory. Doesn't this just make you want to go, what a Savior. No one, nothing compares to Him. Now, as I get closer to the end of this message, here... Here's some things to think about that I was challenged with as well. Has the preeminent, majestic Christ captured our affections? Is he the center of our lives and our pursuits? Is he truly more than enough for you and I? Or has something else captured us? Biblical counselor Ed Welch said this, whatever wins our affections will control our lives. I mean, I think if we're honest with one another, and trust me, I've been there, you know, I'm in my 60s. I've, I've been there so many times when other things capture your attention, your affections. Because I think if we're all honest with one another, all of us at times are tempted to think that to be really happy, to be really fulfilled, we need something more than Jesus. If only, those if onlys, if only I had a better job. If only I had this. If only I had that. And yet, here's the irony of it all. Whatever that something is, Jesus made it. Jesus is sustaining it. And Jesus wants to use it for his glory. So what happens is, we can be going after part of his creation instead of going after the preeminent creator. 
it's backwards. I mean, there's so many good things that clamor for our affections. Again, I referenced some of them. Money, career, sports, politics, travel, relationships, spiritual experiences, whatever. But again, these all pale in comparison to the preeminent Christ. And, and as I get ready to close, here is the most mind-boggling truth of them all. This Jesus the one who is in the image of the invisible God, the one who is the firstborn of all creation, the one who created all things, the one who's eternal, the one who's sustaining all things, this Jesus is the one who became man. He came to this earth to save us, his enemies, from our sins, the preeminent Christ became man. Why? To save us from our sins. What? The one who created everything. The one who's the firstborn of all creation humbled himself, took on human flesh, and went to that bloody cross, and on that cross said, Father, forgive them. And if the worship team could come up as I get ready to close. See, the preeminent Christ became man, lived a sinless life in our place, and then died on the cross of Calvary to save us from our sins. The supreme, all-powerful creator humbled himself and on that cross, when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He absorbed the full wrath of God for your sin and my sin. And then as we celebrated just a few weeks ago, three days later, he rose from the grave for our justification. Friends, let's draw near to him today. If you're a Christian here this morning, let's ask the Lord to give us clear spiritual vision to see him as the preeminent one and to ask him to help us to live our lives more pleasing to him for his glory. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, the Lord would encourage you, come, all of you that are heavy laden, if you're feeling weighed down with the guilt of sin, he would say, come to me. If you repent, turn from your sins, put your total trust in me, I will forgive you of all your sins. And if any person be in Christ, they're a new creation. And you can experience the new life that only Jesus can give. Thank God for our preeminent Savior, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. He alone is worthy of our adoration, our praise, our worship, our very lives. Amen? Okay, Spencer? Let's stand and sing.
but our preeminent Savior, Christ exalted. Christ exalted.